Welcome to Grace this weekend. Glad you guys are here. And uh, my name is Ryan. If we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you. One of the pastors here on staff. And uh, we are going to be starting a brand new series today. I'm very excited about it. It's called uh, Spiritual Acts and Why We Do Them. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Have you, have you ever gone to a church service or a religious activity and you showed up there and you thought, I have no idea why they're doing that. Like what is happening right now? Have you ever had that kind of foreign moment where you feel just an unease or a set of questions like, what exactly is happening right now? Why are they doing that weird thing that I don't really understand? Could someone please explain it to me? And if you grew up in church, those questions might have shown up later in life because you've been kind of familiar with attending church and going to Sunday school and doing that whole thing. Uh, If you're like me, I had no church background at all. And I actually had started attending church actually as a Christ follower. My friend, uh, when we were in college, he came and told me the story of Jesus. And at that point in my life, I was really open to hearing that. I was looking for kind of a new direction. I knew I needed some change in my life. And he told me about Jesus. I said, oh, I'm in on that. I want, I want to accept the forgiveness that Jesus died to give me. And then what he would do is invite me to church then from there. And I was like, I, mean, I don't know about like the church thing. This, this spiritual act of going to church, I don't know if I can like do that. What's it going to be like? He called me and invited me and I said, hey man, like what do I wear? And do, do I have to wear a suit? Like what, do, what are we going to do when I get there? Is it going to be weird? Like I can't do weird. I don't know. Is it going to be, and I remember I actually said yes and I trusted my buddy so I went with him to church and we pulled onto the parking lot I remember it was right here at the Bath campus. This was like my first church experience. Remember, I'm in college and I'm, I feel like, I feel young. I want to show up and I don't really know what's happening. And I pull in, we, we walk into the door and I, this is before the addition that we have now. And it was the old building. There was uh, pews with duct tape. It was awesome, right? I walked in and, and we, as soon as we opened the door, it had that old church smell. Like, where does that come from, right? But you open, have you ever had been in an old church and you open the door and you walk in, you're like ancient. What is that? Like, I'm not even sure how you produce that smell. But we got in, made it through the lobby, felt kind of awkward. You know, people were looking at me like, new guy, right? He's the, he's the one new guy. And so we made our way over to the, the pew, sat on my green pew with duct tape, kind of in the back and, and kind of hid back there, you know? And then, and then Pastor Jeff, he was the pastor. And, um, and so he was getting up to speak. And I remember when he walked up, uh, he walked up on stage and started to teach, and I was like, is that guy wearing a sweater vest? <laughs> like, I don't know if sweater vests are cool right now because I'm not cool anymore, but they were not cool in the year 2000, like, at all. And, and so I saw that. I was like, I don't know if I can listen to a guy that wears a sweater vest. Like, this just might not be my thing. But he started to teach, and it made a ton of sense, and I was like, okay, I can follow this. You know, I can, I can follow this guy. Kind of fumbled my way through the Bible, because remember, I'd never opened a Bible before. I had no idea what the New Testament was or the Old Testament. Bumbled my way through the service a little bit, and, and by the end, we came to the part where, where the music stuff happened, you know, and I was like, oh boy, here's probably where weird things are going to happen, you know, and I remember when the music kicked off and I looked up and there was, a, there was an electric drum set. I was like, I didn't even know they made those. That's like interesting. And we all stood up and I looked around at the people like, what are they doing? And some people had their eyes closed. You know, some people are crying. Some people have their hands raised. And I'm like freaking out a little bit. 
I don't know why this is happening right now. Like, why are people doing this? We're, we're reading words on a screen and people are doing weird things. That's like all I, that's, remember, I'm not critical. I just don't know what's going on. And then I read that we were singing this one song and it, it, it had the lyric, um, the blood of the lamb that pours down to cleanse me. I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> this is like way too much for me. Why is there a lamb? Why is it bleeding? And how does that affect me? Like for real, this is crazy. Right? But, but that was all a little much for me. But the, and if you guys grew up, if you grew up in church, I just need you to understand that when you invite friends to church, they have some kind of experience like that. Right? We don't wear sweater vests anymore. But, but like it's something like that. You know, where there's a little bit of discomfort and there's the question, why do we do this? Why do we do church? Why do we do it the way that we do it? Why do we do these spiritual acts? And that's actually what we're going to be talking about over the next handful of weeks. Uh, We want to take a a few weeks and talk about some of the kind of the key spiritual activities or spiritual acts that Jesus asked the church to participate in. And we want to answer the question, like, why do we do that? What exactly is happening? Are those ancient rituals that have become irrelevant or is there actually a pretty deep meaning and is there some real purpose behind those things? And so I think we're going to have a ton of fun. If you are newer in your faith or you're exploring a faith in Jesus, I would say this is going to be a really helpful series. This would have helped me a ton uh, 15 years ago. I think you'll love it. I think you'll really appreciate it. If you've grown up in church or been around and are familiar with some of these spiritual acts. We're going to talk about baptism and communion and worship over the next three weeks. I think you're going to find that it will probably reinvigorate your faith, maybe give you a fresh insight into why we do some of these things. And maybe you've grown up in church and never even really learned some of the real purpose of why we do what we do. And so we want to answer that question over these next few weeks. Uh, Next week's going to be on baptism. The following week's going to be on communion. And today what we want to do is kick off kind of with the the most basic one of of worshiping God together. Why would we do that in a service? And what exactly are we talking about when we say worship? So that's what we're going to dive into. If you grab your uh, program notes here, we're going to start to look at these a little bit. I laid out just a real basic definition for what worship is. Worship is, uh, I kind of define it this way, the expression of celebration or reverence for God. Right, the expression of celebration or reverence for God. Now, in the broadest way to view that, you could worship God, according to the Bible, kind of anywhere, at any time, any place. I can worship God at work. I can worship God at school. I can worship God while mowing my lawn. I can worship God anytime. What we want to do today is take that broad definition of worship and zero into one aspect of it, that God would call us to, and that's what we would call corporate worship, where we all worship God together as a body or as a church together, kind of unified, and the part really where we focus in on worshiping God through song. Like, why would we do that? Why, why would we raise our hands, and why would we sing out loud, and why would we stand together and sing, right, lyrics on a screen? What exactly is happening during that time? Why would we do that, and why would we, why would we encourage so strongly that that be a priority in our lives if we're going to be followers of Jesus. And so we're going to spend some time on that specific conversation when we look at worship. And for me, I think a big part of why worship felt weird is because I didn't have the right picture in my head. I didn't have a view of who God 
is and what it's like if I could see God for who he really is, right, in all of his majesty and glory, I would start to make sense of why we would worship. And I think that's why worship makes the most sense when we start with heaven. Worship makes the most sense when we start with heaven. I put that in your notes. I think it's a great starting place for us because we begin to see when we look at heaven, we really see God for who he is, right? We get to see him kind of outside of life on this planet. We're gonna see kind of God with with all the veils dropped out and we can see God kind of um, for his majesty. And the, the best place, probably one of the easiest places to see this is in the book of Revelation, book of Revelation. You guys can go ahead and turn there with me if you have a Bible. And uh, if you don't have a newer Bible or if you need a Bible, you don't have one with you today, you can grab one from underneath the chairs. Take that with you. Uh, we love to give that to you as a gift. And it's page 871 in those Bibles under the chairs. You can also follow along in the app. You can download that, Grace Ohio, and uh, follow along really with all the notes here in our conversation today. Revelation chapter 7, we're going to be starting in verse 9. And uh, this book, Revelation, is, is loaded. It's, it's written, uh, the Apostle John, he's the guy that spent a ton of time with Jesus. He was one of Jesus' disciples. And then Jesus would speak and help uh, John see visions of the future oftentimes. And, and this book will kind of blow your mind if you're, uh, if you're new to following Jesus. I would recommend you don't start in Revelation. It's a little much, right? Start in the book of John, that's a great place to start, but fascinating, at least for our conversation today, because we get to see a picture of heaven as we kind of talk it through. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, here's what John saw. He says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, uh, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And for those of you who are like me, like seriously, this Lamb thing came up again. Can you explain it? Right, like here's the idea with the Lamb. So the people that God began to work with first were the Israelites, the people of Israel, and he would give them a, a system where what they would do is they would, when they sinned, because we're imperfect people and we break God's laws, he gave them a system where they would sacrifice animals and the blood of lambs would help to cover over their sin or kind of pay for their sin in view of what Jesus would ultimately do. And so they would be familiar with that and that would point the Jewish people to one day what the perfect lamb, capital L, lamb would do, who's gonna be Jesus. Jesus is the perfect lamb land, the perfect sacrifice. He never sinned when he was here on earth. He offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, for all of us, right? And that's what Jesus was doing when he came to the planet, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross, is he was offering himself as a sacrifice for our sin. And what's happening here in this picture of heaven is you see uh, multitudes, people, right? Throngs of people spread out from, from all nations, from, from every tribe, from every language, if you can imagine that, right? If we were a fly on the wall, we would be blown away by this picture. If we could see this, this picture of heaven where people in a mass larger than any concert hall we've ever been in, right? And there, there's no stadium we've ever sat in with this much energy and focus 
all centered around the, the person of Jesus and God the Father and what they have done to win salvation for these people. Everybody who's in this huge, massive worship service, we could say, is focused in on the reality that that, that lamb died for my sin. That if it weren't for him, if it were not for the mercy of God, I'd be lost. And that there was no other way I was going to be rescued from myself and from my sin. That, that if Jesus didn't save me, where would I be? And let me just say, all of that for them is very, it's crystal clear. Because they're, they're worshiping God by sight in heaven. All the connections are made now. They understand that every gift and every joy that they experienced in life ultimately derived from God. If I have a friendship that I, that I derive joy from, and I love having this friendship and I value this person, that's a gift from God. If I value having children, that's a gift from God. If I have a spouse in my life who I treasure, and value, that's a gift from God. Everything from the, the beauty of creation Right, to the joy that we get from eating our favorite foods. You know? when, you, when you take a bite of a Five Guys burger, you're like, praise the Lord. Right? <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about. That's right. right? But the, these guys are connecting all those dots. And, and there's people from all generations and from all time. They're all colors, all races, men and women and children, right? all focused in on Jesus. And they now fully understand because they see him, and they now know that he is worthy to be worshipped. They're worthy of our, our expression of celebration and our expression of reverence. They're, they're worthy. God the Father is worthy of me saying, salvation belongs to our God and who sits on the throne to the Lamb. Goes on and he says, verse 11, all the angels... We're standing around the throne and all the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Angels, living creatures that are described early in Revelation that kind of blow your mind these heavenly creatures are humbled before the throne of God along with all humanity that have put their faith in Jesus. And everybody is centered and saying, this God is worthy of my attention and my focus, my life, and the, the praise, the worship coming from my mouth. Mind-blowing. This setting helps me to understand some things right, that I couldn't understand when I first showed up to church this worship that heaven is seeing, it's not boring. It's not boring. The, these masses of people, they, they don't have to be like prodded to worship God. Right? They, they don't, they're not bored waiting for the worship service to end. What's happening is, is I would almost say it like this, that, that worship is being drawn out of them. They almost can't help themselves because they're so blown away by who God is. It's a natural response to something awesome. That's what, that's what we do when we're blown away. We, we say how awesome something is when we see something awesome. It's just what we do. Like, like, we're human beings. Reminds me of, I got a, a, a couple friend 
And uh, about five years ago, they were in a place where they were having awesome breakthroughs in their marriage. Their marriage was just taking off and there was a renewal in it. And uh, they looked at me one time and they said, Ryan, we, we, cause I kind of knew their story. And they said, we would love for you to renew our vows. You know, would you be willing to do that? And I was like, yeah, I mean, we, we can probably do that. Let me check my calendar and make sure it all works. And yeah, absolutely. They said, no, like there's more. You need to understand something. So what we want to do is we want to take uh, your wife and you, and uh, we, we want you to renew our vows, but we want to take you to St. Thomas in the Caribbean uh, for five days, and, and then we want you to renew our vows there. And I was like, well, hang on a second. Let me, let me check my calendar. <laughs> okay, I think I'm going to make it. Yeah, I think I could do that one. That's fantastic. Thank you for thinking of me. You know, it was great. And we showed up there at this resort, and it was, uh, this resort was vaulted up about 100 feet over, over the Caribbean. And uh, it was this patio, and you walked out, kind of, it was all fenced in. And as you walked all the way up there, it was this unbelievable view, right? It was like o- sea and ocean forever, blue, beautiful water, perfect pristine sky you know it was like one of the most awesome things I've ever seen in my life and as I as I sat there kind of looked out at this beautiful view I couldn't help it it was almost involuntary I just kept saying over and over again this is so awesome like over and over again like isn't this view amazing this is so mind-blowing. And all the, there was kind of a group of us who were all there together to, to do this vow. They were like, Ryan, we get it, man. Like, stop. I'm like, I can't stop. I just kept talking about it. Why? It, it was a natural response to something awesome. That's worship. Right? That's worship when we can see God face to face. That's what's happening in heaven. And I didn't have that picture when I first came to church. I didn't realize that, that man, when I see God one day, I'm going to worship him automatically. That's, that's just going to come out of me because I'm going to realize his goodness and his greatness and his mercy, that he's holy, that he's righteous, that he's good, that, that if it weren't for his love for me, I would be lost forever without hope in this world. I didn't have that picture in my head. And this is the beauty of of seeing God and we will one day see God the question then becomes what do we do now how do I worship God not by sight but as the Bible says how do I worship God by faith right scripture says we live by faith not by sight as long as we're here on earth as we live in our bodies what does that look like and how are we to approach worshiping God here on the planet let me show you kind of how this plays out. The Apostle Paul is going to talk to us a little bit about worship. It's going to be in the book of Ephesians. Go ahead and turn over there with me if you would. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, it's page 829 in those Bibles under the chairs. And uh, the Apostle Paul is going to talk a little bit about how we live, kind of in light of eternity, how do we live in wisdom even now. And so let me read this passage to us as you turn there. Ephesians 5.15. Paul says this. It says, Be very careful then how you live, uh, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. It says, instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's kind of what Paul's setting up. We could say, in some ways, there's a reality that's happening that we cannot see today. Right? Heaven is playing out. This kind of say this is our scene in heaven. Paul's going to say, yeah, but we, we kind of live here on earth right now. And Paul's going to say, as we live on earth, we want to live as wise, not as unwise. This is because the days are evil. When I live down here on earth, what happens is, I am not living in light of this reality. This reality will last far longer than my days here on earth. In some ways, we could say it's more real than what we're even experiencing today. But I'm not looking at it. I can't see it. So how do I live in light of that? Paul says the days are evil. What does that mean? We could say it this way. Uh, one of the ways that the days are evil is that the days, we could say it maybe this way, the days trick us. The days trick us. See, we're created for worship. We're created to know God. We're created to love God. And we're created to fulfill God's purposes. Here, here's the thing I see happen in my life. I know that. I realize that. But I live among distraction and temptation. And I forget why I'm even on the planet. Like in a day. Right? It doesn't, it doesn't take long. And so I will drift from my purpose quickly. And most of my life is spent fighting that drift, right? Pulling back in and trying to remember why I'm on the planet and what I'm made for and who I am and some of those core questions that really should drive our lives. Paul's gonna say, don't get caught up, don't be unwise and get caught up in this and try to manage it independently on your own. Don't what do you say in verse 18? Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Don't try to manage the frustration and the temptation and the distraction of life through a substance. Right? Don't, don't run to alcohol or drugs. Don't put yourself under the control of things like that. Instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Being filled with the Spirit means being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Putting myself under the leadership of God. It's probably the easiest way to understand it. And this was mind-blowing to me. I kind of saw this, uh, I don't know, in a new way this week. This is what blows my, blows my mind. When he's unpacking what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to be controlled by God, he's actually going to say that the way to do that is to worship. Now, if you want to be under God's control, and if you want to get yourself above the distractions, the everyday grind, and the drift that happens in life, you know what you should really do? You should worship it kind of caught me off guard. Here, here's what I found as studying this this week. Worship is a habit of the wise. Worship is a habit of the wise. Here's what happens. When I'm fighting distraction, fighting drift, I'm trying to work it all and make it all happen and pay the bills, and, and then, then there's the voice of my culture calling me away from what God created me and designed me to do, saying, you know what you need to do is make money, and you need to be happy, and if you're not happy, you're wasting your life, and you need to make sure you take care of number one, and you need to Right? And there, there's a loud 
voice of my culture is kind of screaming all these different messages at me. And then there's just the daily maintenance of life. I got to run the kids here and there, and I got to do this, and I got to work out, and I got to do all my things. The, the antidote to, to not get lost in all that is not to fight it. it it's actually to worship. It's to refoster and rekindle within my heart and mind the reality that heaven exists and the reality that God is who he says he is and to cultivate and strengthen that picture in my heart and mind. And when I do that, I can see and understand the temptations and the distractions kind of for what they are. And it's no big deal because I'm going to know that the, the person who's putting pressure on me at work, that they're just like me. And the name above all names, the name of Jesus, is actually the name that really matters. I want to make sure I please him first. Worship will pull me up out of that grind and help me to live in light of eternity. It's powerful. It's meaningful. And this is what Paul is saying. saying, boy, the, the way to allow God, one way at least, to allow God to lead in our lives is to regularly make it a habit to worship, to pursue God and to speak and to sing songs and make music in our hearts to God. Pretty fascinating to me. The, the, those songs at the end of our, our times together, they're, they're not the time to grab coffee. They're, they're not the credits at the end of the movie. The, this is a time where we actually are wise when we interact with God directly and as we do that corporately together fascinating, powerful, interesting. Worship is a habit of the wise. And then Paul goes on, talks a little bit about how worship happens. And here's what he says in verse 19. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Uh, Worship happens from the heart out. Worship happens from the heart out. Let me explain what that means. So I can't see God today, right? Because I'm down here on earth. So I make a decision in my heart and mind to put my faith in the reality that God is who he says he is, that, that this heaven thing exists. Now, I, I make that decision in my heart and mind, and now watch what happens. It can't stay in my heart and mind. It's going to affect the rest of my body. It's going to affect my words. A decision to have a relationship with someone always affects the rest of me. Worship happens from the heart out. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Think about how this works in human relationships. When we were children, it wasn't enough for our parents to just love us in their head or in their heart. We actually wanted our parents to tell us that, didn't we? We wanted to hear our moms and dads look at us and say, I love you. Right, the, the mom and dad that, that says, like, I told you once, remember it forever, check, parenting's done, like, is not cool. Right? It's not, we actually want to hear that from our parents. We actually want our parents not, not just to express their love in words, we actually want them to give us a hug sometimes. If you're emotionally connected in a marriage, right, you're romantically connected, there's a reason in marriage counseling sometimes a marriage counselors will have, have couples that are struggling. They'll have them hold hands. They'll have them connect their, their bodies together. Why? 
because our bodies and our hearts and our minds, they're all one thing. I'm not a mind. I'm not a heart. I'm not a body. I am one being, and so are you. And we are created heart, mind, body, and soul as one being. We're created to worship God. Worship starts in my heart and mind as I cultivate this view of who God is, but then it does not stay there. It comes out from there. You say, well, what do you mean? What does that look like? Here's what I mean. You, you ever wonder, this is me back to my first visit at church, why, why would people stand up and, and sing out loud? Why would that happen? Well, when their heart is moved by God, Hebrews says that, that praise, when I say things out loud that bring honor to God, right, what we saw happening in heaven, when I say something like it's the Bible called it the fruit of our lips, praise. When I say those things out loud, God loves that stuff. God, God is a person. God is not a system. He's not distant and cold. He is a person. He's a personal God, and he wants us to interact with him personally. Why, why would someone raise their hands in worship. You ever wonder that? Well, if I'm here on earth and I believe that God is in heaven and that God has the name above all names and that all of creation is worshiping God, it's probably a pretty appropriate thing to do to to pledge allegiance to that God and to to declare, I'm with you, Jesus. That's going to come out of me. Why? It's in my heart. It's going to come out of my mouth. It's going to come out and even affect my body and my posture. You ever wonder why people sometimes will, will put their hands out like this when singing worship songs to God? Maybe it's, it's a, a decision that I've been holding on to. I want my life to, to look a certain way or go a certain way, and I know that God's calling me to, to release or to surrender that. Maybe this posture helps me to communicate that to God and to make that decision in my heart. Or see people in quiet contemplation with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Maybe that helps to cultivate this view of heaven and, and take God in. And all the way down to you, you ever, maybe if you've never done this before, try it maybe at home first. You, you ever kneel down all the way to the ground in worship of God? Boy, there's something humbling. When, when my body reflects the posture of my heart, boy, nothing says, God, you are greater than I am, like being on my knees does. It's powerful. It's meaningful. Something happens there in that space when, when worship comes out of me. Well, we don't love anybody just in our head or our heart. It actually f- f- comes out of our mouth we say it to one another. And sometimes it shows up physically in our posture and how we relate to each other. Worship happens from the heart out. Finally, when I think about this, it kind of in a, a big picture, I think James wraps this up. He, he really captures it. If you think of it this way, James 4, 8, I'll just read it to you. You probably don't have to turn there. James, in talking about really pursuing and submitting a a relationship with God, he says this. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. 
When I move towards God, this is what happens. Worship moves me to the heart of God. And God's a person. He moves towards me as well. And I would say something happens in this space. When God and I are moving towards one another, there, there's something that takes place and it's spiritual. When we move towards one another, there's a reason why we're moved in those moments of worship. God longs to hear this. Say, doesn't God know that I love him? Doesn't God know? Can't God read my mind? Yeah, absolutely. God knows what you're thinking. God knows what I'm thinking. Just like I know what my little three-year-old daughter's thinking. She's a tiny thing, man. She's real short, real little. Man, nothing grabs my heart more than when my little three-year-old daughter spontaneously looks up at me and she says, Daddy, I love you. Oh, I mean, it like nukes me, man. I just see her little face in my head. And do I know that's in her heart? Well, sure. But to hear her say it to me, it's the best thing ever. It's the best thing. That's what's happening here. God is a father. He's not looking and and saying, you got distracted and got caught up in this and you got lost. He's longing to connect with our hearts. And he wants to hear from our mouths and sometimes even see it show up in our bodies that we love him and that we're with him and that we're for him and we believe what he has said even though we can't see it and none of it makes sense today. That's worship. Heart of a father longing to hear the voice of his children calling back the truth of who he is happens in heaven and one day we'll do it by sight and today we do it by faith we have to make some decisions and be intentional i would almost say we push ourselves into places where we're maybe even not so comfortable sometimes to live that out what do we do how do we wrap this conversation up a couple practical things for us guys and then we actually get to practice this which is awesome I want to point you and direct you to to a video resource that we have. It's in your notes. It's on the app. It's an E4 study that's called What is Worship? And it will break down for you much further than we can ever do here on a weekend on what worship is. Check that out. It is awesome. I watched it this week. If you are here, and maybe this is your first time to church, or maybe it's the first handful of times, and you're thinking, Ryan, what you just described a few minutes ago about being uncomfortable, I'm right there right now. I don't know what to do. If that's where you are and you feel uncomfortable, let me just say this. Man, I get it. I get it. Thank you for being here. Thanks for trusting a friend who invited you or for showing up because you read a sign. For you, just like for me 15 years ago, what I would say is this. The step to take is to make that first act of worship. What is that? It's to look at the reality of what Jesus has done for us. The fact that Jesus was that lamb we talked about. That he came and lived a perfect life and he paid for for my sin. This is what I discovered in college. The things that I've done that I'm not proud of, I found out that those had a price tag to them. 
And the price tag was the blood of Jesus, that he actually had to give his life to pay for my life. And that when I put my faith in that reality that Jesus died for me to pay for my sin and I surrender my life to him, everything changes. Does it mean life gets easier and that all my problems go away? Not at all. But I find what I'm looking for. And you know what I mean. If you're on the hunt and you have questions that are bothering you, you know how those drive you to find an answer. I know that. You will find what you're looking for. You make that decision, you put your faith in Christ today, and the trajectory of your life will change. Because now you know what you're made for, and you know where you're going. Guys, for the rest of us, what if we got to just practice this right now? What if we practiced heaven right now? What if, if you've never sang before, maybe, maybe it's just saying the words of these songs out loud. Maybe that's the first step. Maybe it's singing it and saying it from the heart like we mean it. But, but if I believe that God is real and that heaven is real and that he's the focal point of all creation and that he's a father who loves me and wants to hear my voice, let's give him that do. He's worthy. And I would even encourage you if, you, if you never sang out loud to do that, if you've wanted to raise your hands and you just thought, man, I don't know, I'm going to look silly doing that, I would encourage you to put all that out of your mind, close your eyes, pretend it's just you and God in this big room, and engage God for what he has done in your life. Worship this God, right, the God of heaven. God that one day we'll see and spend eternity with. We're going to spend some time and have the band come out. This is a spiritual act of worship. Let's get to practice this together. Let me pray for us. Father, we say thank you that you love us. That you've offered your son to us fully and completely. And Lord, you're worthy of our time and our priorities. You're worthy of our decisions and our focus. And God, you're worthy of our words and our posture, our worship. God, would you you help us to see the reality of who you are? That you are just as real as what we see and touch and feel today. And Lord, that you love us. And you long to hear the voice of your children. And you will meet us there, Lord. In that space where our hearts connect together. Lead us, God, as we worship you.